A streak, then another, over fire hydrants, around signs of the long pitted cement sidewalk that lines Front Street, across the humped bridge and above the railroad tracks toward Goodale Park. I find more pleasure watching runners lugging themselves along, capricious, thunderous, as if the city could take it. There aren't any good comedy clubs left in this town. These giraffes are all I have. You hear about old man Selby? I heard he's in bad shape. Bad shape? He's toast. No kidding? What happened? Had an aneurysm a few months ago. He's in a coma. Oh man, I hadn't heard. The Paris trip, you know, just got back. Yeah, it ain't looking good. What's the prognosis? I don't think he's gonna come out of it. There's a boy, you know. The boy? His nephew. He's got power of attorney. Land hasn't been signed over yet. No? Nephew, he's a big football fan, but he hasn't signed. He going to sell? Why wouldn't he? I don't know. I mean, that land's gonna buy him a lot of pencils. But he doesn't have to sell. He's a poet of sorts. They don't really know much about him. Nobody can force him to sell, can they? Why wouldn't he? Most poets are broke. Poets are a funny type. You bet they are. Eccentrics. Quacks, if truth be told. He hasn't sold. It's quite strange. Has a city in a real funk. Uh, who knows what he's gonna do. Come on, let's go get a beer. The poet, the quack, it had a name, one Jerry Rigged. In the days since Selby's aneurysm, Rigged had been dogged by the press, harassed by just about everybody who recognized him, had his car burned, and was hung in effigy by somebody at the Freedom National Bank. Yet, he remained a shadow. Seldom seen in daylight, he strolled the streets after dark, often past midnight, with no apparent destination. Average in height and build, young, about 35, of dubious race, questionable religion, and some intimated U.S. citizenship. He wore an old wool coat, even in summer, its lining pulling away in jagged strands. The coat had three different kinds of buttons and dull gray spots from where a cat used to curl on it each night. It was an old coat, not just any coat, the one she used to wear. Sometimes he sat on benches in the park well into the night, motionless, silent, mumbling incoherent secrets to the light breeze. Some said he was simple, Others that he wasn't simple, but depressed. At night he stopped at the old bar, and for the most part was left alone. He used to come in with her. They'd sit at one of the small rickety tables and drink and laugh, and act like a sailor in his date, enjoying the attention from all the leering, envious professionals in their ties and hard shoes. Now when he came in, he was given the corner booth near the kitchen, even when the bar was empty. He sat with cold stillness staring into his pint glass. He'd swirl the glass to watch the beads of carbon dioxide move like clouds and rise to form a new head. The waitresses were nice to him. He smiled with small effort without moving his head as they passed in and out through the swinging kitchen door. They brought him new pints when he needed it. They were quiet and unobtrusive around him and gossip only after turning the corner. Jerry rigged, a dark coat, shuffling feet, the city of Columbus now his hostage, not for what he had done, but for what he refused to do. The most mindless of tasks, a fleeting ripple in time measured to the right of decimal points, a gush of a lilac breeze, a beep of a car, or a sudden clap of thunder, the signing of one signature on a piece of paper. For three months now, his refusal has created, shall I say, a slight disturbance. 
Columbus, the great college football town that it is, is finally getting its own professional team. But a team needs a stadium, doesn't it? And there lies the problem. And our principal team owner, Theo Thrift. Thrift, not one to sit back and allow some insignificant flea to spoil his best laid plans, sent a couple associates to find out more about this jerry-rigged character to visit Mary Green, purveyor of geraniums and boxwood, she being the closest ally of the mystery man they have so far identified. The two men stepped into the greenhouse, which was warm and humid and smelled of dirt. They introduced themselves as friends of Theo Thrift and were taken aback when she asked who that was. The tall one, Dixon, removed his gloves, balled them up, and stuffed them into the pockets of his overcoat. Who is Theo Thrift? Is he someone I should know? Miss Green, we were wondering, we were hoping you could give us some information. What kind of information? It's about a friend of yours. Tell me, what do you know about a man named Jerry Rigged? <gasps> Jerry? You know him, don't you? Yes, I know him. Can you tell me about him? What do you want to know? Anything you can give us would be helpful. He's not in trouble, is he? I mean, besides being harassed by everyone. Well, no. Not really. Is he? Miss Green? <gasps> oh. Miss Green? It's you. I didn't recognize his name. I know who you are. Theo Thrift. <laughs> One of the many tentacles of the great Adolf tribe. Not wearing your Gestapo uniforms today? We'd really appreciate your cooperation. Your hair, it's all wrong. You need the excessively clean-cut look. It lends an air of obedience and strength. Oh, jeez. You're not making this easy on me, miss. I don't think I can help you. I'm sorry. You don't? You heard me. And why is that? Because the things I could tell you about him you wouldn't understand. And the things you want to get from me, I know nothing about. Don't be so sure about that, miss. We'd be glad to hear anything you'd like to tell us. You can't travel through time. You have only two eyes. Your heart ends with your own personal fences. You couldn't possibly understand him. I see. No, you don't. You don't see at all. Well, you got me there, because you haven't told me anything. I got my pencil and pad right here, ready and waiting. Jerry Rigged is a locksmith. A locksmith. That's right. You know what a locksmith is? Yeah, I know what a locksmith is. He's a locksmith? Ma'am, I don't think that's right. Not on your little pad there? Uh, no, it isn't. So are you going to write it down, or am I wasting my breath? I'll remember. A locksmith. He could pick any lock ever made. Do you believe me? I don't know. I don't think so. Would you believe me if I said he had the longest arms in the world, they could reach across oceans to the oppressed, disadvantage the blind? Would you believe me? Um, well, no. I don't know. I don't think so. I think maybe you got a little stash of homegrown hidden in one of those tins. <laughs> you think you're pretty funny. No, not really. I think you're pretty funny. Hey, whatever. I'm here to please. You're not writing in that pad. I got a good memory. Anyhow... That's what Tweedledee is for. You really want to know what he's like? If you don't mind. You'd hate him. Ma'am, everybody hates him. That's right, they do, don't they? Well, you'd hate him even if he gave you your stadium. You'd hate him if you met him in a bar. You'd hate him if you bumped into him on the street. 
You'd hate him because, you see, he's not like anybody else. You'd think he was just noise. Oh, one of them kind. That's right, one of them kind. You're right. Probably would hate the guy. Nobody likes noise, do they? Everybody wants soft, soothing numbness to carry them away. Isn't that right? What do you expect? I don't expect anything anymore. Not anymore. Expect little and everything's gravy. That's what I say. Lower your expectations and the world's nothing but gravy. You see, he won't do that. Well, some guys never learn. And some guys don't give in. The world breaks them and then they wonder why. The world could never break him, even in his loneliness. Tell me, Theothrift's mouse, do you have any idea what it's like to be lonely? Lonely? Sure. Everybody gets lonely. When I get lonely, me and Cheeks here, we take our rubber teeth and hit the bars. Funny how you can meet anybody with a pair of them goofy rubber teeth. Girls just go crazy laughing. And before the rubber teeth? Before the rubber teeth. Oh, geez, I don't know. Had them rubber teeth for a long time. Can't remember offhand. Drank more beer, I guess. What if you had no rubber teeth, no beer, no cheeks to go out with? What if you had your loneliness and 10 million others as real as your own? Imagine I'd be a real drag. I imagine so. Like your friend. To you, maybe. To me, he's anything but. He has a gift. He'll give you what you really need, even when you have no idea what that is. Oh, but there's no point in trying to give anything to a world of geniuses swimming in a sea of gravy, is there? So that's your locksmith. No, that's my savior. She's nutty, Dickie. Come on. Knock it off. But she's nutty. I said clam up. What do you mean? It's right before your eyes. It's always been right before your eyes. What the hell are you talking about? Yes. What the hell am I talking about? Of his guilt, there was no question, but of what crime? Nothing had yet happened, precisely the point, as most citizens of Columbus would tell you, but how can you charge a man for not doing something? Look, some said, a man can be considered good without proof or reason. It's self-evident. It's understood, accepted on the whole rather than deconstructed on the part. So why must a bad man, an evil man, be granted the loophole of proof? Isn't evil just as self-evident? Why was this man able to move about freely? free to roam the shadows at night, free to remain silent. Is there no justice? The citizens of Columbus wanted to know. Theo Thrift, spread like oozing taffy, sat behind his wide wooden desk peering accusatorily over his thick black-rimmed glasses. His object of suspicion and ire? Dixon, just back from said recent reconnaissance. You trying to piss me off or something? Because if you are, you're doing a hell of a job. No, boss, I'm not trying to piss you off. Shut up. Okay. What did she say? I forgot. You got emphysema or something? No, boss. I can hear you all the way over here. What the hell's the matter with you? I don't know, boss. Well, keep your breathing down. I'm trying to think. So, what'd you find out? Well, let's see. I'm warning you. Okay, right. You know, he's some kind of screwball, just like he thought. Cheek said something about him being a locksmith with long arms. That's right. Like a safecracker? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, yeah. Well, no. Shut up. Okay. What else? Uh, well, Miss Green, the young lady, you could say she thought an awful lot about that rigged guy. I'm not sure, but I think she was speaking metaphorically. Meta what? Metaphorically. You making fun of me? No, boss. You smell like puke. Don't you know what a shower is? 
Sure, boss. I shower up nice most every day. Shut up. Okay. What else? What else? Let's see. Nothing else, really. Said he was a lonely guy type. She asked me if i ever been lonely, and I told her, sure. I've been lonely. Everybody's been lonely sometimes. That's what certain magazines and the internet are for. I don't think your man is into those things, though. He... You finished? I'm finished, boss. Where'd you go after seeing the girl? We came right over, boss. Shut up. Where? The Raw Oyster. In the middle of the afternoon, you go to the Raw Oyster. Drinks are half price from three to five. Theo Thrift jumped to his feet, but as the stapler left his hand, Dixon was already fast out the door. A few minutes later, Columbus's mayor, Gwyneth Bile, knocked and came in. She had come at Thrift's request. Come on in. Have a seat, Mayor. So, where do we stand? Same as before. There's nothing. This guy's got nothing on him whatsoever. I don't know what to tell you. We could bring him in for, say, a minor drug possession. We could plant that easy enough, but everybody knows he's clean. It'll smell of a setup from the start. The press gets a hold of that and... Wish they will. They will. There's some major exposure there. We've got some major exposure already. This city mayor is about to be euthanized. I realize that, Theo, but we can only do so much. We can't bring him in on nothing, and we sure as hell can't hold him on it. We can if there's no other way. We have to. It won't fly. We're going to be crucified. Correction. He's going to be crucified. We got to keep our wits about us. Step back, take a look at it from all angles. That's it. Take our time. Things will work out. Mayor, things work out because somebody makes them work out. That somebody is us. Look, you've got your polls to worry about and the riots to contend with. I've got a professional football team to run. Do you understand me? Do you understand what I'm saying? A billion dollars, Mayor. That's where I'm coming from. Now there's a fine piece of property right over there with a line of bulldozers waiting to get started. That's my property. Me and Selby had an agreement. By rights, it's mine. Mine, you understand? I'm not about to let some flaky poet turn out the lights. That's not going to happen, see? I'll tell you what is going to happen. You and the police chief are going to find something to bring him in on. You're going to do it, and you're going to do it soon. Soon, like by tomorrow, understand? But Theo... That's how it's going to be. It can be done. It will be done. That punk's a criminal. It's time you started treating him like one. Jerry Rigged was arrested in his apartment the next day, brought down to police headquarters, and charged with disturbing the peace and inciting a riot. Bile made the call to Thrift himself, who ran the two blocks over. You'd have thought they just bagged a man-eating tiger. Handshakes went around like kisses on New Year's Eve. Who got him? I did, sir. You got him? Yes, sir. Brilliant. What's your name? Miller, sir. Miller, you, my friend, are a hero, and I want to be the first one to shake your hand. Ladies and gentlemen, I present Officer Miller, the real Elliot Ness, ferreting out the weasel we've all been looking for. Miller, you've just apprehended the most notorious scoundrel this city, perhaps the entire state, has ever had the misfortune to encounter. Thanks to your swift action, your heady tenacity, your sheer bravery, Columbus might once again return to happier times. Nothing to it. The modesty. No, really, it was a piece of cake. A bashful hero if there ever was one, ladies and gentlemen. Routine. Miller. Came without a peep. Actually, he was quite a nice fellow. Thank you, Officer Miller. I'm sure the press has a lot of questions for you. On your way now, on your way. An hour later, Officer Miller pulled her cap firmly on her head as she began walking down the steps. When she stopped and turned back to look at police headquarters, something bugged her. 
It wasn't all the attention nor the residual nervousness from being on television. It was him. There was something about Riggs she couldn't put her finger on, but it gnawed at her just the same. He hadn't said much while sitting in the back of the squad car. Mostly he just stared out the window. Miller shrugged and continued on down the steps. For the rest of the day she floated in a haze. She wanted to go back and sit down with Riggs and have a talk, but she couldn't do that. It wasn't her place as a simple police officer. That night she had the most beautiful dreams. When she woke in the morning, the dreams lingered in her mind, but when she went to tell her husband about them, she could remember no details, only that they were unlike any dreams she ever had.